Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. It was a good weekend, Trina. Yeah. Did you yeah. have a good time? I did. I went to the Haunted Woods this weekend. The Haunted Woods? Yes, that was pretty amazing, actually. All right. Yeah. We'll have to talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> it's probably not what you think it is. I think our <laughs> guest may have joined us. Tammy, are you online? I sure am. It's great to be here. Hey, good morning from here in Kansas City. Yeah. And... uh we appreciate you being on the podcast show. Trina, why don't you introduce who we got on the line this so morning? So today we have uh, Tammy Tisland uh, out of Minnesota joining us. Tammy is uh, the current president of the Minnesota Auctioneers Association, as well as broker owner of United Country uh, Bold North Real Estate and Auction. Is that correct, Tammy? It is. Yes, it is. Awesome. Welcome. That's quite an introduction. Mm -hmm. It's pretty nice. And hello from northern Minnesota. Hello, hello. Is it cold up there? No, it's actually a very nice day, and we've had some great weather. And, you know, up here in northern Minnesota, our peak colors have passed. Aww. There aren't a lot of leaves on the trees anymore. Uh, but, hey, the grouse hunting, because of that, the grouse hunting has increased. It is better. Nice. Grouse hunting. What exactly is a grouse? I don't even know what a grouse is. <laughs> Well, it's actually the, the correct term is rough grouse, and I call it chicken of the woods. Okay. It's a fantastic white meat bird, and um, they're fun to hunt. They're not so elusive, but they are quick. So okay. that, that, that's what makes them fun. I love to hunt in the fall when we can enjoy the colors and the days are nice and, and you know, take the wheeler out the side by side and explore you know, that wonderful country that we live in up here. So do you hunt, these are birds, do you hunt them with dogs or are you walking them up or how, how do you hunt grouse up there? Sure. Um, so we have uh, two golden labs. Um, one's not so interested in hunting. The <laughs> other one is a very good, what we call bird dog. She's awesome. Uh, so we'll walk along and um, she's got a nice, a nice uh, path that she'll follow back and forth within a nice uh, short to medium distance out from us and um, she'll pick them up and we can shoot them in the air sometimes um, when we're lucky they'll be kind of wandering around on the ground and and we can get them that way but it's just a fun way to be outdoors and and get some really good tasty birds so it's become my favorite method of hunting um, I kind of I do still like white-tailed deer hunting, but I, you know, I've kind of switched gears to the rough grouse. Well, I can imagine you get a lot of exercise doing that also. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, we get a lot of uh, time on the wheeler as well, too. We have a cabin uh, that we're building and uh, it's up even farther north than where I am now. I'm located in Bemidji or near Bemidji. So the cabin is located about 45 miles south of the Canadian border. Very what we would call wild country, not a lot of population there, and residences are few and far between, and there's lots of state land and places to explore. So, 
uh, logging is the industry, uh, main industry up here. So uh, with that being said, there's lots of logging roads, logging trails, and those then get opened up to the public when it's on state and federal land. So when you say you're building a cabin, do you have a builder involved? How do you build a cabin in the woods? Okay, so this is an off-grid cabin and um, specifically planned that way. So we are building it all by hand, 100% by hand. We have milled on the sawmill much of the lumber. And then we've uh, hauled all the tools up there that we need to do the planers. We've shiplapped everything and done everything all 100% by hand. And we're running, we're running our tools from generators. And then we've wired the cabin to run from a generator as well. So you do every single step by yourself. You're like actually logging and running them through whatever mill, <laughs> the mill process. Obviously, I'm not from around there. So that's not a usual thing that I hear of around here. But you're literally exactly. doing it from start to that finish right. by yourself. Right. Wow. That is correct. Well, that's kind of cool. It's going to be basically a primitive cabin. Yes. Let's talk a little bit. And that's what the show is kind of based around, why we uh, we were interested in visiting with Tammy today. We knew that this was going on in your life, that you're building an off-grid cabin. We thought, man, what a wonderful topic for the real estate the auction and just the general populace industry out there sure. building off-grid cabins. And that's, that's kind of where we'll center the discussion. So let's start with this. What's available in the cabin? Is there water? Is there electricity? Is there kind of take us through just the basic utilities in it? So right now we're we're nearing completion. So at this time, we do not have water available. So we carry in the water with us. We've got a big, I think it's like a 250 gallon tank that we can gravity, that we plan to gravity flow into the cabin. At some point, which will probably be next year, we'll put down what's called a sand point well. And the water table is not far, so we won't have far to... And we can do that by hand. We can just totally drill that by hand. We probably won't have to go more than about 15 feet for water. Of course, we won't be drinking that water, but we can use it for, you know, washing and things like that. But right now, we have this big tank. So, yes. Tammy, if you go down 15 foot for water, will you put a pump? Is there a submergible pump in that well? Or is it a hand pump? I mean, is it how, how does that work? Yes. So it, okay, it's going to be a hand pump. Yes. The old fashioned, you know, you pump it up and down the pitcher pump. A lot of people refer that to. So a pitcher pump, maybe we'll put, it's not a submersible, you know, like we have the convenience of in our our rural lifestyle and our nice homes that we live in, not a submersible pump. No, it would be a shallow well pump if we actually put an electric pump on it. But but we plan just to have the hand pump. Electricity will come via generators. Uh, so the cabin is wired for generator use. Wow. And so we'll just flip the switch inside. Electric start generator, you flip the switch inside, starts the gas generator up and away we go. Generator's going to be ran on natural gas. Is that right? Just regular gas. Oh, gasoline. Okay. Gotcha. Gasoline. Gasoline. Also, we have a wood burning fireplace, a stove, wood burning stove. And alongside that, for cooking purposes, we have a 
an old-fashioned wood cook stove, and that is also dual. It does have propane as well, so we can cook via propane or wood. Have you thought about any kind of solar power up there? I would think a generator could get a little loud after a while. It does get loud. Yeah, we have thought about solar, and we're actually checking into some solar options, as well as um, checking into some, there are some solar generators too so oh, that that's cool they get their power via solar and they're quiet you know so you can you know uh, shut off that gas one run it by solar and you can run your refrigerator and electricity at night when you're trying to sleep you know off a of solar generator is what you know the thing i've been kind of checking into so it's kind of a combination a combination it'll be a good combination yeah great and those come with their panels as well so I'm you know, kind of checking into those, being, or which one's better than another. We have a uh, just a small camper, and we've been looking into the same thing, a solar generator for it. It's a really tiny, like 18-foot camper, but mm-hmm. it'll be a lot easier to use than just a battery operation by itself. So we've been looking into that for over a year and haven't made a single decision because it, it's pretty <laughs> expensive. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Room Podcast Show. So you figured out there, there water and you figured out power so far. What about um, other like septic or sewage or do you have an outhouse or how do you take care of that into the business? So the facilities. The facilities. Um, the cabin. So proper. You have like the facilities. <laughs> they're kind of important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at this time, there is the old fashioned outhouse. So we have that, and um, we're building the bathroom, hope to be building the bathroom inside this week. So that will have a holding tank uh, that will be pumped periodically. Very cool. Do you have so, any kind of, uh, do you have photos? I know that you're most of the way, I think, completed with this project, or at least it. Uh, I saw a picture of it here not too long ago, and it looked like you were quite a ways along with it. Do you have any Anywhere online where viewers could see pictures of it or kind of see what you've done? You know, I don't at this time. I posted on Facebook. I was polyurethaning my way out the door the other day with the floor. So we had just finished the flooring. You're a smarter person than me. I've painted a floor once and got stuck in the middle of the room for half a day. That's (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) You literally, you literally painted yourself into a corner. Yeah, basically. Well, the middle of the room is what I painted myself into. (laughs) Well, I had to really think about that because I didn't want to suck there, be stuck there, waiting for polyurethane to dry. dry Well, yeah, oil based. Yeah, that would have been, been like a two-day stay. You're, you're just standing in the middle of the middle of the floor, blowing on it, trying to get it to dry quicker so you can walk out. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's happened to me. Oh, man. That's the picture that I saw, though. It was of the floors. The floors look beautiful uh, in that cabin, and and in the background, you could see you. the stove and a little bit of rock work right there on the floor where you've you've got the stove and some other things settings. So. And some flag flagstone there for it. Yes. Yeah, it's been an amazing project. And, and, you know, I've enjoyed it so much because it has given an opportunity to just take a step back and realize that life can be simpler mm-hmm. yeah. and enjoy a little bit of simple time. How long you know? of a process was this, Tammy, from start to where you're at now, I guess? Okay, so it wasn't even a 
a thought in my mind June 1st. Oh, wow. And then it came along and then quickly purchased the property, closed it and got to work. And the property was just filled with, it, it had a lot of junk on it. So we cleared it out and realized that the cabin that had been on there prior had this perfect foundation. Ah. And actually the property was purchased just to put on, you know, a little camper and, mm-hmm. and just be able to use it as a stopping point for, mm-hmm. you know, hunting and recreation. But we realized the foundation that was there was perfect. And then we said, let's build a cabin. And literally it started like that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So you're building just, this. How far is this from your home? 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Nice. So it's, you have to drive 45 minutes, you know, to, to kind of take your, gather the tools up and to run up there and to do your work and then go back home. Not, not too long of a drive, but it's not right next door either. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you know, far away, far away enough to realize that it's not convenient just to run back here for whatever. Yeah. And so can you see where I'm going with this is that it makes it easier just to go spend the time there. Exactly. I'm actually going through that myself. We bought a, a property up here in northern Missouri. It's an hour and five minutes from the house to the farm. Uh, it's in Gentry County, Missouri. It's about 40 acres, and we've turned it into a project farm where we just now have uh, we have a creek crossing. We've opened up trails. We go up about a 60-foot elevation climb uh, when you cross the creek up on top of the hill, and it's beautiful up there. It's overlooking I know some people would call it a river. It's, um, I believe it's called Hickory Creek mm-hmm. is the name of it. Mm. But it's it's fairly broad at different times. It carries a lot of water through there. And, you know, it's just beautiful on the back end of this. But it's a lot of work. And every time we get ready, it's a two-hour round trip. You know, we it's an hour up there. We kind of work all day and then we load up and come back. So you have to kind of factor that into the equation. But it's also, as you just said, building amenities where you can stay up there for an extended amount of time and just kind of decompress and get away from life a little bit. That's the value in the property. Oh, it sure is. You know, the value in the property is that in the value that it gives to your life, the purpose is not to have all of the luxuries that we have at home. We just want it to be simple, you know, spend time with the doggies and get away from the how fast life is. And just slow down. How are your neighbors in that area? How's the, uh, you know, kind of the, the climate, the surrounding up there with the neighbors and stuff? Good neighbors? Um, you know, a lot of, you know, are they, are they pretty Really picky? good neighbors. Really good neighbors. There, there aren't many. Um, so Those are the best kind of neighbors. <laughs> the non-existent yeah, ones yeah, are the best ones. There's only, there's only one permanent resident there. I mean, permanent meaning year-round person there within miles. Hmm. I think like within 10 miles. Wow. So Secluded. Um, nice. I like that even yeah, more. So that neighbor's pretty good. Very good. And, um, you know, there, there are some folks that come up to, you know, their cabins maybe, maybe on the weekend, but they don't come very often. So, you know, it's pretty quiet. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Tammy, we're going to slip away and hear from our sponsors. We'll come back in just a few minutes. We'll continue this, kind of let the audience know. Trina and I have known you for quite a few years mm-hmm. now. You're a very accomplished uh, professional auctioneer. 
We'll talk a little bit about that. Talk about the Minnesota Auctioneers Association. Maybe talk a little bit more about grouse hunting. But let's uh, let's hear from our show sponsors real quick, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. So Tammy, we, uh, we were talking on break about challenges. I've never actually built a small cabin. I, I specifically have never built a cabin primitive style where you're doing, you know, hand hewing of the logs and and using a, a sawmill and just doing rough cut lumber. I, I mean, if anything, if I've built anything, it's because the hardware store has delivered yes. quality lumber to me <laughs> and a set of plans and I know That's how to saw a board saying, and yeah. put it together. But what's the biggest challenge? You're out there in the woods and you guys are putting this cabin up. Uh, what's what's your biggest challenge? <laughs> For me, in June and July and August was those tiny little bastard little flies. <laughs> flies. <laughs> that darn thing. That flies is, and deer flies. That is hilarious. We So we're talking about <laughs> building a cabin. I'm asking, I'm thinking my mind's going in five different directions yeah, right now. It's like, well, you know, we, we, yeah. <laughs> we have trouble with the generators or uh-huh. getting power, getting the equipment up to the side or whatever. And your answer is flies. Listen, the flies have been bad this <laughs> year. Flies. Well, I'll tell you what. It's hard to work efficiently and effectively when you're you're getting bit in every direction. Yeah. So, yeah. right. And, you know, mosquito spray doesn't work for flies mm-hmm. yeah. for whatever reason. So, you know, and then I tried some all natural stuff and I thought, well, if I'm putting all this spray on me, like half a can a day, maybe yeah. I better go to something all natural. And did either you, way, you know, it would be effective for about an hour, hour and a half. Okay. I was going to say, did you find anything and, natural you know, that worked for us? Let us know. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It has a little bit of a, you know, essential oil smell wow. type thing, but it was okay. It's fine. I got through it. I'm living. But really, you know, a, 
a real challenge is, and you touched on it a little bit, is working with rough lumber. And we'd have to say to ourselves, it's not absolutely perfect. We're working with rough lumber. So instead of being, you know, super straight on with something, you might be a quarter inch off or, you know, be just because of it being a piece of, you know, board is rough lumber. And a lot of it was working that way. Although we do have a planer there, and for some of the interior stuff, but the framing of it, you know, was all rough lumber. And and we made board bat and siding, siding that was all rough lumber as well. But really, it you know, in the end, it it came out pretty accurate. So appearance wise, does this cabin, if you walk up to it, does it look like a log cabin or does it look like kind of a rough flat sided? I don't know what you want to call that, but a, but a square sided cabin, not the traditional round logs. It's actually it's not a log structure it is board and batten siding if you know so you have the boards and you know the boards that go up and down they're like 10 inch boards you know up and down Mm -hmm. and then you've got this little strip and that's called a batten and that's over the seam of the two boards so it's called board and batten and it's a 16 by 24 structure and then it has a covered porch that is 12 by 24. So we've almost doubled the size with that really nice porch to sit on and breeze goes through there nicely. And it's, it's just a nice place. So it is a tiny little cabin, 16 by 24 isn't much. And then there's a loft as well, but that porch just really makes the place. Yeah. There's nothing better than a good porch. I agree with that. My dream home has a nice uh, wraparound porch including a nice big patio, big porch, lots of furniture out there to sit and watch. Especially in Minnesota where yeah. you have, you know, you have some beautiful seasons. Obviously winter, you know, mm-hmm. winter can be a challenge up there from at different times, but away from that, you have um you have some periods up there that are just beautiful in northern Minnesota. Very distinct, very distinct seasons, you know, spring, summer, Fall, my favorite. September and October, my favorite months. Mine too. You said the fall yeah. colors are already finished up there. Pretty much. We're, you know, we I call it ruddy October where the old trees have turned more of a brown and then the, uh, yeah. the maples turn that more of a muted color, not so vibrant. And then a lot of the leaves are already gone. So we've got the gold, that ruddy color and uh, the contrast of that dark green and then you come along a lake we have ten thousand lakes here so come along a beautiful blue lake and those colors are beautiful and see we haven't hit our prime here at all yet i I think it's coming by the end of the week is what they're expecting yeah we're actually going to head down south this weekend to see uh just to look at the colors on our way so that's going to be pretty damn it will be it'll be really nice this weekend but Mm -hmm. we haven't lost we haven't even got it yet so (laughs) The wind keeps up. We may never get it. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesaleRing.com. I'm watching a television show that I just started. Now, tell me the name of the town that you're from. Bemidji. Bemidji. So I'm watching this this show. You remember the movie Fargo? Oh, you're watching Fargo, the TV show? So they made the series out (laughs) of it. And somebody told Lucinda and I, they said, you got to watch Fargo. And I was like, no, I've seen that movie. It's pretty cool. It's a little gruesome, but it's pretty cool. And they said, no, no, no. uh, They've made up, I think it's in season four, 
Yeah. We just started a few yeah. weeks ago. We're on season two about halfway through right now. But the uh, the butcher, so in season two, the butcher and his wife and, and some of the goings on is right there in Bemidji. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. I've got to watch this show. Yeah, it's um, ah. it's it's interesting to say the least. Somehow it moves around from uh, North Dakota to Minnesota. I think in season four, it it's actually here. ends it's up in Kansas, in Kansas City. City. Yeah. City. Mm-hmm. yeah, you've watched it. No, I have not watched it, but I've heard all about it. So it's all over Reddit. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got to take that up. <laughs> but the people are so you know, nice that it's funny. You know, there there's people that are just almost diehard killers in this show and oh yes don't you know you know yes and they're just like super super polite and i was like you just killed this guy and like you're being super polite but it's uh it's that northern friendly experience you know even at times of death yeah oh yeah oh yeah don't you know know. (laughs) for sure for sure and you know what that's not so far off in the northwest corner of minnesota is where you'll find that very distinct accent and it's not i mean it's funny right but it's it's real life over Mm -hmm. there yeah so and once in a while i'll get picked on a little bit for what i i don't realize i have an accent but sometimes it'll come out the long o's in there i can hear it a little bit the long o (laughs) that's what it sounds like it's a long o yeah the way we say boat Yep. <laughs> the extension the extension of the O. Yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Tammy, is that indicative of a culture of so the like people that live up there? Culture, yeah. yeah. Is it their heritage? Is that indicative of um of immigrants that had moved into there years ago? Yeah, Scandinavians for sure. Okay. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. My father cut wheat for a family that was in North Dakota, and they were Norwegians. Uh, and, you know, they're mm-hmm. large frame people. Yes, I mean, yeah. he, the guy and all of his sons, too, they were just they were just big, you know, large people. Yeah. And they had that uh, that same kind of speak, mm-hmm. as you speak. will. <laughs> yeah. Accent. My grandmother was a full Swede, my mother full Swede. And, of course, now I'm half. And, and the other half is <laughs> gypsy. So gypsy. there you go. You're a gypsy? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Swedish gypsy. No wonder yeah. you're building off-grid. <laughs> no wonder I'm an auctioneer. There you go. That too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I remember our times, you know, when I was growing up and we cut wheat for that family uh, up there. They just, um, and the entire culture in that area around there, just super, super nice people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Yeah, so, we're always eating lunch. Yeah, everything's lunch. Nice. Breakfast is a little lunch, and your like ten o'clock break. That's have a little lunch, and lunch is lunch, and then the afternoon break is lunch, and then, well, I guess dinner is supper. But you know, have several lunches. So you're constantly going to lunch, whether or not you're eating lunch. anything. You're having a little lunch. I like it. Yep. Five lunches and a supper. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like this plan, Sean. We're going to need to implement that immediately. Great. Sorry, exactly. guys. I'll, I'll be at lunch. lunch. <laughs> I can tell you it's 11.22 here in about 20 minutes. I'm going to have one of those lunches. I am as well. A little lunch. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And probably end up having lunch and meat. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Tammy, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Minnesota Auctioneers Association. I'm an auctioneer. You're an auctioneer. 
wouldn't you like to be an auctioneer too, Trina? So um, that's I kind of funny. I would or not. You don't remember the old. You don't remember the old Doctor Pepper. I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. Wouldn't you like <laughs> to be a, a pepper. pepper too? Yeah. I got right on that, Sean. <laughs> that's that could be right good or bad. That. We're not going to mention any ages. Or I was going to say I'll not just mention any time frames on this time. show. The auction industry, though, you are currently the president of the Minnesota Auctioneers Association. Yes, I am. I am, and I'm I'm proud to be uh, the president. I'm passionate about our association, and um, you know, it just didn't happen. So uh, there's a little work involved with that as well. Yeah, yeah. How long of a presidency, I guess, do you have? And so it's a one year term, but gotcha. prior to that, you fu- you fulfill the vice presidency. So in Minnesota, it's um, pretty much assumed that when you are voted in as vice president, you'll then the next year be taking over the presidency, although there is a vote for it. But it has never happened in the history of our association that the vice president then did not become the president. So, so you're fulfilling two years. And then when you come off the presidency, you're doing the immediate past president role. So it's a three year commitment for sure. Nice. So needless to say, if you're the vice president, you don't get the bid to be the president. You have screwed up royalty royally. Yeah, I, like would say, <laughs> I would say yeah, something drastic is going to have to happen for you not to then uh, take take the president role. So that works pretty much like the National Association. Are most associations set up like that? Yeah, I'm only familiar with how ours is set up in the National Auctioneers Association as well. And, you know, Minnesota tries to mirror the NAA quite a bit. We have a large association and, you know, we were just talking about this at our board meeting yesterday. We had our fall board meeting about how a lot of states look toward Minnesota, you know, to for guidance and what is Minnesota doing when they're implementing a plan or something, you know, something big that they have to address in their organization. They'll say, well, what's Minnesota doing? And if, you know, if they can't get it from Minnesota, then they're going to the NAA as well. So we're very proud to be a strong association. Well, it's a little known fact, the Minnesota Auctioneers Association comes before the National Auctioneers Association, the MAA comes before the NAA. Um, and to get there, all you need to know is the basic alphabet. I was going to say, alphabetically or longevity-wise? <laughs> what are we talking about here? Just alphabetically. <laughs> now they're giving us the high sign in here. We need to hear from our sponsors. Uh, Tammy, we'll slip away for just a few minutes. We're going to come back. Let's talk about the Minnesota Auctioneers Association and uh, kind of strengths and weaknesses with that role. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I would love to. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you 
have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. So we talked a little bit before the break about the Minnesota Auctioneers Association uh, Tammy's currently the president of that. Tammy, what's the strengths and let's talk about the weaknesses also. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of pride of ownership and being the president of the State Auctioneers Association. What's the biggest challenge, though, when you're in there? What's the number one challenge that you face as an auctioneer in that association? Well, for me, this year it was um, being president in the year 2020. Yeah, I can <laughs> this imagine. Been, yeah. <laughs> this has been a challenging year to be the president uh, in Minnesota. So the number one challenge right now at this time is, you know, getting our conference and show together. The con- the president is charged with coordinating, setting up all the speakers, finding the venue, doing the contract, you know, just making sure there's a flow there, which in a normal year, that's not so bad. But now we have that word COVID. Yeah. And do we have a, con- a live conference? And yeah. if we don't, well, then... Do we do it virtually or the new concept is a combination of live and virtual, which we've settled on doing. Our membership wants to be able to get together, yeah. whether it's virtual or in person. And we're finding most of them still want to be there and they'll be there. And I'm really excited about that. Of course, the other challenge then with every membership, I think of any and not just auctioneer associations, but all associations is membership. And right now we're focused on retaining the members that we have. Mm -hmm. Our thought process right now is if we can retain and keep the members that we have engaged and fed, if you will, with the things that they need, then they'll cultivate relationships with other auctioneers. and, And hopefully we can begin that rebuilding process as well. We have actually we've gained members. We've we've gained 40 or 50 members. And that is really big in a state association. Let's talk about that for just a second. You've gained 40 or 50 members over what time period? Uh, One year. What do you contribute that to? We have specifically one member who is the owner of an online auction service. And he comes from a long line of of live auctioneers and his father-in-law who owned the business prior passed away and he took it over and became online only, but he requires all of his affiliates to be members of the association. And so he brought, he brought 40 members this year. So yeah. And get them engaged and he tries to get them to the conference and show as well. So we're really celebrating that 
that part of it and really happy that he's embraced, you know, the importance of membership of the auctioneer association. Oftentimes they feel disenfranchised an online only auctioneer does and, and not this fellow. As a matter of fact, he'll be getting our golden gavel award this year. So, so that's what we hear first folks. Does he know that? Or did we just let the cat she out of the bag? Know that. She didn't say his name, though. Let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> she, did, she didn't say a name. Right. So she's half of the clear. Yeah, I bet. Sounds like it. Well, that, that kind of a member is very valuable, yeah. obviously. And, and as you alluded to, all associations, I can imagine, at least the vast, vast majority of associations, the number one thing that they're going to be battling is membership. Mm-hmm. Because membership's the one that's the, you know, if you build your membership, uh, then all of the things are kind of possible. You've got revenue coming in the door from the members. You've got good participation. You have enough workforce in there to create committees and to do wonderful things. You have more people spreading the gospel out there about the, in this case, auction business. Uh So membership has got to be at the forefront of any associations. Um, You know, they're they're key initiatives. Membership and... I would say the next challenge is being very good stewards of the of your funds. You know, I find that other associations are having problems in that area too. But Minnesota, seven to ten years ago, decided that we were going to invest in what's called the Southwest Minnesota Initiative Fund, and so uh, we worked through the generosity of the members. We our goal was to jump into this initiative fund when we had a hundred thousand dollars to invest. And, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but for um, a small state auctioneers association, that that's kind of a lot. So anyway, we we got to that goal and now we've way surpassed and, and we're receiving dividends. And the whole goal was that so that we could bring in quality speakers, mm-hmm. you know, outside of our own industry to speak on things that, you know, actually pertain to marketing yeah. And so we're able to use those funds now. We're very well set financially as well. Very good. Very good. Well, it sounds like you're doing great things there in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And uh, being the president's not always easy. You get to be a sounding board a lot of times, uh, sometimes even a disciplinarian, you know, with you and the committee. But overall, I would hope that that's been an enjoyable experience uh, being the president up there. It has been, you know, I've always been one who likes to rise to the occasion of challenges and this year has been a challenge. And when you can break through to the other side and come out with a smile and say, hallelujah, I made it through (laughs) the year and we're good to go. I'm really excited about having it in Bemidji, though, because Bemidji, I'm going to go off track just a little bit. Bemidji is the home of Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Do you have that big um, statue there? Is it in Bemidji? What's this? The big statue. The only, yeah, that's my entire, I just see a huge statue of uh, Babe and Paul Bunyan. When I think Minnesota in my head, I see that statue. Is it there in Bemidji? It's in Bemidji. Nice. Now we know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the theme, I'm wearing my buffalo plaid today. Um, (laughs) That is our theme of our foundation fundraising auction that will be take place on Friday evening in January when we have the conference. So we'll, we'll be celebrating Paul Bunyan and Babe and wearing our best uh, buffalo plaid onesies. Onesies. Nice. There you've heard it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. They say once you go plaid, you'll never go back. Yes. That's right. 
That sounds like a fun time. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question about Bemidji, and it's in the northern part of the state. North central, yes. North central. How hard is that? Uh, how difficult is that? Like, what's the seasonality? Here's where I'm going with this question. What's kind of the seasonality of the auction business? If you're conducting on-site or live auctions, is it uh, a six-month window to do those, uh, 10 months out of the year? I mean, with snowfall and inclement weather, what kind of a time frame mm-hmm. do you have to harvest up there in the auction business? Mm-hmm. So really good question. So you need to plan on having a really quiet winter. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, you will probably won't be doing any outdoor auctions December, January, February, March, about the end of March, you know, some of those farm auctions start to pop up and, you know, you could be in the middle of a snowstorm. It could be well below zero, but it could be, you know, 30 or 40 above. So your heavy outdoor auction season is, you know, begins in March. Spring is really, really uh, those farm auctions pop up for spring. July will probably taper off just a little bit. And then you're hitting it hard again, August, September, October, November. And, you know, you'll maybe see a handful in December, but it's not real likely. Okay. So late, late spring, later spring, a little bit in the summer and then hit it again in the fall. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not doing year round auctions outdoors. You're completely shut down for an outdoor auction in the winter. So here's something I took a note on earlier while you were talking. We'll kind of wrap up with this conversation about Mm COVID-19. It's been a challenge for a lot of different businesses in the industry. But a lot of times when you have something that is, let's call it forced on you, like a, a virus, it forces us to kind of retool how we operate in business and to do things differently. It's forcing people that are in the auction business that, and some of them otherwise would not. We've witnessed this happening from some guests on our show to just what I see in the auction industry. Utilize online only auctions or online auctions where they were a solely a live outcry or live auction company. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's not all bad. You know, I think that that forces sometimes that is the evolution of business. Yeah. It's it's how we evolve in, in industries and push the ball forward. It feels bad at the time, but it has challenged us. As you said, you, you love a good challenge. You're always up for a challenge. It's challenged the auction industry to say you can't just rely on live auctions anymore. Mm-hmm. You're either going to have to stop conducting business like you have for 30 or 40 years, or you're going to have to evolve into a different mechanism, a different way of of allowing people to participate in your business. So I see it as about 75%, you know, negative uh, right out of the gate because people just don't like getting kicked in the teeth. But there's 25 or 30% of new learning and and new technologies and and advancement that comes out the backside of this. Right. And advancement is a key, key word there. You're advancing the whole industry. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you're giving the whole industry a good name by moving forward and getting out of that comfort zone and, and bringing yourself into, you know, reality of what today's world looks like. And I'm really thankful for Minnesota is that we very, very few live only auctioneers in this state. We've jumped really into the forefront. Yeah. Well, quite easily in the year 2010, so 10 years ago we really became accustomed to online or, you know, what, for those out there who don't know what the hybrid of that is, is a simulcast 
And that's where a lot of us, including myself, feel like that's my favorite zone to be in is the simulcast auction where you have that that flavor of the, you know, the the live in person person that you can communicate with as well as that one online that you're able to communicate with too with your with auctioneer's voice. Um, there's nothing that can replace that. But the online only, the very, very, very successful people are still hungry to buy those things yeah. at auctions. And we're able to provide that. And the auction industry as a whole was able to just spin on a dime and pick that up in a matter of a short period of time. And it gives us that kudos to auctioneers because we are a resilient group of people that really can pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and just forward forward and doing, you know, we're doing our best for our industry, our sellers, um, everyone involved in the auction process. And, and we're just that kind of group of people that can do it. Well, Tammy, you're a great steward of the industry mm-hmm. and we appreciate the opportunity to have you on this podcast show today. I know on, uh, and when Trina had brought your name up and said, oh, we ought to visit with uh, Tammy. Here's what's going on, you know, with building a cabin, president of the association. Uh, just a, a wonderful opportunity to uh, to get to speak with you today. That, Thank you. I, I had a lot of fun. So I'm going to go grouse hunting this afternoon. Yay. Oh, good for you. Let me ask you real quick before we chop off sure. here. How would the viewer, the listener today, how do they find you online if they want to uh, talk to Tammy Tislin? You know Probably the easiest way is to just Google Tammy Tislin, and there's multiple <laughs> ways of finding me. So you can contact me via email. It's Tammy at ucboldnorth.com. Um, you can just simply type in TammyTislin.com or give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. And um, you can call me at 218-766-9607 as well. Very good. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Enjoy your cabin. Enjoy your time up there. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to this episode. We'll talk to you next time inside the sale room. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesailring.com. 